the best thing you can do is ask someone about their faith or ask someone about the questions that you have because those ultimately open the door that God uses. Every single individual has a story to tell and they're great stories that need to be heard. I want every listener to know they have the ability to change the world. Welcome to the 1720 Podcast. What's up, Mount Movers? Welcome back to the 1720 Podcast. Stuart, I'm kind of feeling naked right now, man. I am i don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, don't go for the visualization there, but first time without a prep sheet since our very first guest. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll just go Matt Fisher out the box here. Yeah. <laughs> Check. Check. Get that. Yeah, B13. Matt, Matt Fisher didn't get a, a, a prep sheet, and neither does our guest today, Grant Hagen. So, sorry, Grant. That's okay. I like going off the cuff. It's going to be fun. I, we're, we're laughing a little bit because I texted you last night. I think so. And I was like, hey, sorry we didn't get a prep sheet. Um, Here's a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about. And then just word wall, like scrolling word wall of like, we'll talk about this and 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 this. 854, so. <laughs> Dude, tons of prep. I feel pretty good. Second shift text. I was probably in the truck waiting on William to get out of practice or something. It's like, oh, I forgot to work on that thing for granted. You did apologize, but then I saw it was pretty long, and I was like, oh, this is good. This is helpful stuff. We'll uh, hopefully get through all of it. Nah, we'll, or not. Or not. <laughs> but you're a pro. No How many script. did you say you did? 12 of these? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I think only maybe six of them made the, the portal page of of infamacy so there's only been two people who have sat down in the chair and been like oh i know how this works grant <laughs> and eric austin because everybody else was like oh no i've never done that in the in the construction space sure 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 oh well right like jake and those guys but like trying to like we're and he grant just throws his headphones on pulls the mic up like all right let's roll <laughs> you you were giving him the spiel like have you done this before and you just got a wink out of him like yeah, yeah bro let's roll the tape <laughs> i did get a wink. hard part is is my uh my work from home uh office setup almost looks like a podcast studio and a couple of people have joined in a zoom call they're like oh what's your podcast and i was like 1720 hey i love that well uh, here's one that you guys should tune into i'm but, confident you go full headphones because i've i've walked past your cube at uh, at your prior employer before completely headphoned up yeah and just like tap you on the shoulder yeah you full of mic set and everything i had to have a busy light at the office though because it was like <laughs> hey that was tuned into the team's chat of like but then people would come over and be like, hey, what's that red mean? And I'm like, the red means I'm in a meeting. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. What does, it mean on your, what does it mean on your computer? <laughs> <laughs> my Kev, I've talked about this. I have uh, We're door open policy, right? But I've been having to close my door at the office a little bit just to get some work done. Door close is, might as well be open. Yeah. Because people are like, hey, are you busy? I'm like, I thought my door closed. is a universal sign. I'm suing me. somebody right now. Yeah. yeah. It's a busy sign. I will say the busy light, if, if you haven't uh, heard of it or seen it, it's actually pretty impressive. Uh, definitely worth a Google and worth an Amazon look, but the at home solution is a little bit wonky because one, I don't, you know, my office is a little bit detached from the house. And so I was trying to Google around and see like, Hey, how can I like make a busy light with the current like home setup that I have? It is actually pretty interesting. There's some, I don't know if you heard of like, if this, then that I, it's like, yeah, a, yeah. like a thing that you can do like workflows and stuff through is like, Oh, you can do a Phillips hue light tied to your calendar. And I'm like, and our house is going to look like a disco party with red lights, green lights, yellow lights. You know, it was pretty impressive, though. So it's doable. Um, 
Ask Stuart if you uh, if you're interested. He'll help. I've n- almost never been more interested in anything in my whole life. <laughs> than I got this moment right now. <laughs> I got the old school deal, like a laminated sign that's on a suction cup and a hook. Everybody's office has it. Yeah, yeah. And if it's hung up, it says "Please do not disturb uh, busy moving mountains." Yeah. And so we have a slogan: "Respect the sign." Like, don't overuse it. But if you're in a meeting and you don't want to be disturbed, yeah, throw it up. Totally. It's kind of like your dishwasher uh, sign that's like, no that's one ever right. recognizes it though. They're like, oh, these are dirty. Nah. Or these yeah. are clean. I'm going to throw it clean. Cool dirty. sign. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, guys, this is a what, fun idea, but we'll see how it works. I haven't fully implemented it yet, but once we get it going, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm in love with this idea. <laughs> also, Grant, he's underselling how cool his office at home is. Like, built a building, finished it out, like the whole shebang on the side. I've got progress photos. Yeah. It looks awesome. Except I had a guy come by, uh, we're looking at some other stuff at the house, and he's like, hey, did you do a permit for this? And I was like, uh, no, man. And, and then I was like, hey, <laughs> depends might, on who's asking. might be time to leave. <laughs> Are you with the city? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's I been think, fun. I think we specifically had permit talk, right? Because I had to shed those in. Yeah. If the city's listening, it's definitely in the right spot. Very much so. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, hey, did you permit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did ask me. And yeah. I was like, "What? Is, what is that? And then I quickly Googled and was like, hmm, definitely need to keep this one under wraps. So It's cool. But uh, Go ahead and tell everybody your address right here. Sweet. No, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm glad I didn't disclose what city I live in either. It's like, hmm, there's probably some city folks that uh, tune into y'all. So. Yeah. I, mean, I think this is the longest interlude we've had before we actually get a kickoff. Joys of no prep sheet. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we got this. We got this. All right, Grant, you, you know how we kick it off, man. Who, who's Grant Hagen? Grant Hagen, man. I uh, So born and raised in Iowa, uh, moved down to Dallas uh, about 10 years ago. I started to work for a general contractor here in the Dallas area, uh, interned with them out of school, uh, and then came down full-time back in 2012 and uh, started with them as a project engineer, project manager, uh, worked with them for 10 years and was a ton of fun and uh, recently transitioning over to the software side of the construction industry. So really excited about uh, what that's going to entail. And I just really enjoyed all things, um, relationships that the construction industries uh, privileged uh, me with in my career and also our family and uh, have just really uh, enjoyed what the new season is going to look like. So it's going to be really fun, new adventures. And uh, ultimately, it's it's all been people-based, which is so cool to look back and see. And um, many of which are obviously listeners for you guys, which has been fun and our relationships that we got to grow all on the way to. I mean, that is, if you had to pull a few like threads through all the themes of our episodes, people is one of them, right? This is a space we live in. Do you remember the first time you met Grant Hagen, Kev? I do. It, I think it was SMU before... YCC. Yeah. Uh, we were, and then yeah. we were in the YCC, and that's where the relationship went further. Mm-hmm. Did, y'all I think, in, did y'all come in at the same time? Like, is plus, plus, plus or minus two years. I was 2010. You were 2012. And you must have went straight to the SMU yep. project. Yep. So that's, uh, that, it was on SMU because we, we were in – so we record here in the tech office. We were in the conference center across the way doing a presentation about the technology that you guys had deployed yeah. on site and whatever – was that like tw- – 2012, I guess it was. When yeah, was it would have been like 20, probably 2013, 2014 time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you were talking about how y'all are generally re- like replacing like sheets and stuff mm-hmm. with y'all had, you know, at the time, I think there were huge 42 inch TVs or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but like all of the, uh, these like very technologically advanced solutions that were being deployed on that project. And I was like, huh. That's amazing. It's just, and that was that was a YCC meeting yeah. that you were presenting at? Yeah. Because I remember that on the drive here, I was thinking, 
in my head, like I remember that event, not from what was being said on the technology, just like your presentation skills. Mm. Both of you same, guys. Same. Remember, I was me like, too. dude, this guy's solid. I, like I would be like shaking up there and he's talking about, you know, you're like OG of drone, like before it was mainstream whoa, and whoa. stuff. You are OG of drone, bro. You guys can't see my blushing over here, but uh, <laughs> no, it's fun. It. What's really crazy is like the technology side of it. You know, I had no idea coming into the industry that I would love that part of it as much. I mean, a lot of the internships and things I had coming into the industry were all project management based and different, you know, types of jobs and market sectors and things like that. But yeah, when, when you're fully in on a job, you just see so many inefficiencies and opportunities to improve. And man, kudos to the company I was at. Like they really gave me opportunities to try different things. And, and it wasn't just the company, it was the people. You know, I look back yeah. and think of the people that were on that job and still have some incredible relationships with. And, you know, they're the ones that trust you to the point of like, hey, that that actually isn't a crazy idea. And um, let's try it. Let's see if it works. And some stuff did, some stuff didn't. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of things along the way. But um, yeah, that was fun. And it's cool too, because, you know, you guys obviously get to see Dallas, Fort Worth, and just the market that's here. Um, the industry is so collaborative here. It's just cool that when you get to go present, like it's very receptive, people are really interested. And it's not something that like has a huge competitive advantage at a lot of companies. And so I think that definitely lended itself to be able to share it with a lot of people and say, Hey, like, let's do this together. Like, let's think of opportunities to mm. have this thing grow into ways that we didn't even think individually, but if we do it together, Hey, what, what could we possibly do? So it was fun. I'm going to, I'm going to pull you back to like being a kid and growing up and your parents and all that stuff in a second, but I want to linger on that. Cause weren't you, you said, OG of drones, but were you, y'all had drones deployed on SMU, right? Yeah. Y'all that, were doing roof inspections. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was the, really crazy. So what was really funny, there was just this, I mean, total God thing of just timing of a lot of stuff of how it all kind of like came together. But uh, we were nearing the end of that job at SMU and just beautiful campus, buildings, just materials, all that stuff. And that job was unique because it had this really unique slate roof. Mm-hmm, yeah. And SMU has just some really um, big design standards that made it really challenging to go up and inspect it and kind of what that, you know, how to do it safely. And these are five-story buildings, so they're not, you know, crazy enough to get up and walk on. But they're pitch roofs, and, you know, you don't want to um, injure or break the uh, material that you're trying to inspect. And it was it was so crazy. I remember I was at home for Christmas break, and or I was at home for a recruiting break um, back at home with my dad, and he had bought this drone from – I think it was like the mall or something. One of those like little kiosks that you see. And I was like, he was playing with it. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I just found this thing. It was like 30 bucks. And and we were playing around with it in the living room. And we were trying to land it on a box. And, yeah. you know, these are the ones that you can probably still buy today. And and he just like really stirred this idea of like, man, like how can you, how can we use these things outside of just, you know, playing around? And at that time, there was a company that was really starting to commercialize a lot of this Um for more consumers and hey, you didn't have to be a hobbyist to build these things. And he had just, you know, bought the $30 cheap one at the mall. And, you know, sure enough, a couple months later, this, you know, new one came out that it was basically you go to, I mean, I remember Hobbytown USA it was right at Walnut Hill in 75 and yeah. went up the road and bought one and, you know, told our project manager at the time, I was like, hey, I think the money that we're spending on man lifts to get up there and inspect a lot of this roofing, you know, stuff if we could maybe apply that in another spot, like what could that do for us? And he was like, Hey, this is somewhat of a crazy idea that could work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we went up, bought it that day, you know, downloaded all the apps. And I mean, this was like, gosh, I think this was probably 2014, 2015. I'd have to look like 
the original Phantom Two Vision. Right. That was like the name of it, mm-hmm. and you know the the white case that you would imagine and all that stuff. And yeah, it's crazy. I remember the first time we flew it, the first time we like got back in the office and like pulled it up on the big screen, the forty two inch, right? <laughs> I think it was the seventy inch, but it was like the biggest TV, and I. I'll never forget the look on just all of our faces like, oh my gosh, this like actually is a thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just cool because like my dad and I have always grown up tinkering around, you know, things at home and RC cars and remote things. And it was just fun. It was, it was fun that that like seed really planted an idea that, um, you know, my dad was invested in. I was invested in. It's like, man, this is really cool. Like, what can we do with this? And, you know, long story short, now we're now we're here. So, all right, so, so Go ahead, Kev. I was going to say that... Th- I remember you flying that up in SMU and how yeah. cool it was. And then you kept pushing innovation. And then it started being like a a, a point of contention. Because the <laughs> next innovation, you, you might know where I'm going with this, but on Big Glass Tower, it became the punch list device. Yeah, and right. Like, uh-uh. Hey, if, the, if the architect can't get on the swing stage or see it from the ground, <laughs> yeah. like we are not punching this thing with a drone two feet away from the building or I'm going to be buried. Yeah. And so that's when the innovation started like being a point of frustration for subcontractors were like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. You can't look that close. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to take us back because I guess, I don't know. It looks like maybe you touched this LinkedIn post recently, but you, is it a couple days ago? Yeah. Yeah. Man, this was awesome. Oh, no, like, that's cool. Go find Grant Hagen on LinkedIn. He did a really great post a couple days ago and it has a picture of your dad on yeah. there. Have, have you seen this? No. It's, you need to like go back and check it out. I, there's a picture of Grant and his dad with one of these drones you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and it's a cool picture of a younger version of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your dad. But tell tell us about your Paul, man. Tell yeah. us about growing up and stuff like that. Man, it was so fun. My uh, my dad's just always been a more like good friend than I, I feel like you know now being a new uh, new dad and seeing just kind of that friendship uh, relationship. Uh, it's just fun. He was really big on finding things that like always kept us connected, which in ways didn't feel connected, right? So we would, gosh, play basketball with a little tykes thing, you know, down in our basement back before I'd go to school or, you know, he'd pick me up and we'd go find the latest thing at a hobby store or, you know, things like that. And it's just been fun. I think he, he really understood the importance of non-traditional things to build relationships, um, you know, between a father and son and, and just have always appreciated that. And, you know, our, our relationships certainly changed a lot over time too. I'd say, you know, in high school, uh, it was so fun. I, there were so many things I remember with him that was just really close and just felt, felt deeper in that friendship. And, you know, when I went off to school, um, which was a couple hours away that our, you know, relationship changed and it was a really different season for us because, uh, you know, my dad didn't go to a four year school. And so I don't, he didn't necessarily uh, know a lot of the things that, um, that change in season like entailed. And he, and he would tell me that. And, um, and I think just being in a different location was hard as well. Uh, when, you know, I was at home all the time and got to see him and interact with him. But so that season was a little tough coming off of high school. Where it was like, man, I, you know, spent time with you all the time. And, and then obviously after school, I moved down to Dallas and that was a huge, you know, 13 hour difference from being at home. And yeah, we just have, have had to go through a lot of, um, just real and raw seasons of just change. And I think, you know, it's funny, a, a big event that really, I think, made our relationship a lot, you know, stronger in ways that coming off of college and then obviously moving down here is we found another thing that kept us connected and that was camping. And, you know, we, um, got to go out on some really fun camping trips that, um, 
I should probably call it glamping uh, <laughs> more so than just like, you know, tent camping. But yeah, that was something that I think really re re sparked our relationship in a lot of ways. And this, you know, the drone stuff obviously was one of those things too. But yeah, when you go from seeing someone, you know, family every day when you're in high school to, you know, seasonally over breaks at college and then, you know, holidays over, you know, being across the country, it, it just changes things. And it was really challenging to go through those seasons, but super grateful. You know, it's, it's fun posting stuff like that about, you know, a parent cause they go through so much of your life and, you know, now being a parent, um, you don't really appreciate those things in ways that maybe, um, until you get in that season of life. And so I certainly wanted to celebrate that, you know, change in jobs and career with him because yeah, he was a big part of it. And, and he would be the first to tell you like, Oh no, like he, you know, he's done great things and, you know, gone and made a great name for himself or gotten to do a lot of things. But, um, he, he doesn't get enough of the credit of just like, really sparking some of those ideas. And so it was fun to celebrate that and kind of put his name out there too. Did you talk to him about that post? I haven't actually. Has he uh, seen it? I don't know if he has seen it. I, I tagged him in the picture. Uh, and what's funny about that picture is, uh, so obviously went to Iowa state and, uh, he's wearing a Hawkeye, uh, <laughs> shirt, which is the university of Iowa. And so there, there's so much in that picture, uh, that's just, I mean, I remember, I remember that day when we flew it. I remember, you know, taking the picture and going back and seeing, you know, me wearing Iowa State and him wearing Iowa. It was just, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't told him about it yet, but um, it was just funny. My favorite part is the white New Balance. <laughs> oh, he is dad. rocking the white New he Balance. Is. He's full dad mode. And I think I got the flofers on too, or the uh, <laughs> something that definitely doesn't match my uh, outfit attire. But it was pretty, it was pretty funny. That's cool. That's a cool thing to get to share with your dad, man. Yeah. Yeah. What about mom? Yeah, mom uh, definitely would say she was the one that I got a lot of my creativeness from. Mm-hmm. Um, she is just so, like, resourceful, I think, in ways that I probably haven't appreciated until, like, the season of life and, yeah. and being a parent, too. And um, I should say my parents were divorced. And so um, they got divorced when I was, I think, in first or second grade. Uh, and so both remarried, both incredible step parents, and um, and so that dynamic definitely played in a lot from the early ages of growing up and middle school and high school. And they both stayed in the same town, which was really awesome. Uh, so I got to split time with them really throughout the middle school and high school time frame. And uh, but mom was always just like the most creative. She found these just random things that uh, she would. She is like the ultimate fixer upper. I think. She really like has taught me how to take something from nothing and to really make something out of nothing Mm -hmm. um, in ways that just like more like arts and creative type stuff. But I've definitely sensed and recognized on the back end of like, man, like who who, like showed me that? Like who who kind of like gave that as a experience that maybe I didn't like see? And it was pretty clear, like looking back and kind of reflecting like, man, my mom really uh, excels in that. And it's so fun because she she would say that's like more of a hobby and not something that she like is maybe intentional about like doing, but it's just been really fun. She, um, has always just been there. Like what's funny is in high school, I would say, uh, my mom and I weren't as close, but then in college, my mom and I were super close. Uh, she went to a four year school. She kind of knew the challenges of like what life was going to be like in that season. And, was just really close and uh, helpful in a lot of ways. We had like weekly phone calls that we would always try to connect with. And, and it was fun. I think, you know, in that season of being uh, in college, she just couldn't, could like relate on a different way. And it's just really clear looking back. Like I think God really had um, just protection over me in those different seasons of 
having a great relationship with my dad in high school and then mom and like, and it's obviously all now full circle. It's like, um, getting married a couple of years ago, everyone's down here and everyone's like celebrating a season of, you know, getting married and having a kid. And, um, yeah, it's just fun looking back. It's, you know, obviously when you're in those moments, you don't like see any of that in full detail or picture, but, um, just really thankful to like have that perspective. And I think one thing you said, is like, Hey, have you told them that? It's like, I probably don't do a good enough job of telling them that. And, um, definitely more opportunities to do that, but it's fun. Isn't it weird how like the perspective of life lets you reflect on those moments from forever ago and just see them through a different lens, a more thankful lens sometimes, a more reflective, contemplative lens sometimes. But Kevin, I had that moment today. I won't overshare whose story it is, but like we were talking about someone whose mom had passed Mm. and I was like, man, that story, I don't, I don't know. I know, don't know that individual, but just knowing that story makes me want to just like leave work right now and just go sit with my mom today Mm -hmm. just because I'm so much more thankful now than I was when I was 16 and she was like ruffling through my backpack trying to figure out what, you know, like it's just so much different. Yeah. And I, I have a tendency to take, to still take it for granted because my parents live close. Mm. I see them all the time. Mm. And so I'm just like, like this weekend, for example, we'll have, you know, our fairly standard 1 million basketball games and they'll be there just like they've always been there. Yeah. And I take it super for granted. So that's just a really good like reflection point for me personally. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too. So my wife's family's in Houston uh, and her siblings live here in town, which definitely like fills that bucket of yeah, having yeah. family close. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something that's challenging. I, you know, I remember when both my folks were like, I had an opportunity to work in Kansas city after school. And I think they were hoping and thinking that I was like a really good opportunity to work there, just being a little closer to home. And just remember Dallas being a, a, a little bit better opportunity from a just landscape and kind of size and all that kind of fun stuff. But like, yeah, I think they were, they were definitely supportive, but yet bummed of, man, like that's a long way away. And I remember, (laughs) I think it was like, my wife will have to correct me on this. I think it was like our first date. My wife was like, Hey, would you ever move back to Iowa? And I remember thinking like, well, Hey, of course, like that's, that could be on the table, but I love it here. You Mm -hmm. know? And I think that, man, that's kudos to God going before both her and I with just some incredible relationships here with people that have just invested in us and uh, taken us in and given us just so many things that we can think now of like, it'd be really hard to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, And who knows where God will take us both. But like, it's just been fun to look back and see like, Hey, this, this has felt like home, even though it's not like physical home, home where we grew up. Yeah. I get that. I would say this, I've been here since, since 2010 from Chicago and this is it feels like more home than mm-hmm. if when I go back to totally. home home to visit for the holidays. So I'm hoping my parents someday will move here because we hold their only grandchild. Yeah, right. So <laughs> like, they're like, all right, we're t- retiring, we're moving. Grandchildren are now the currency of, of <laughs> where people move to and where for they, sure. Yeah, grandchildren are the currency. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Edit that part out. <laughs> nah, I told you, bro. One take. <laughs> yeah. So I know you as somebody rooted in their faith. Yeah. Did you grow up with that? Yeah. Or yeah. is that something that sparked in adulthood? Yeah, totally. So my kind of story of faith, uh, I would say grew up in a Lutheran home, uh, back, uh, in Iowa, which super thankful for, I think even seeing the perspective of it now is like, man, there are a lot of ways that God was just planting seeds in that season and, um, really thankful for the way in which I was brought up, uh, the place in which I was brought up, um, both from my family and the people that I remember in that season, uh, I would definitely say on this side of it, like the gospel was never really like influential as a part of my life back there. Um, I remember, let me hit hit pause right there because I have millions of questions about 
church and growing up in yeah. church. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and yeah. so I know two different churches in my whole life. Well, that's not entirely true, but in reality, a small Southern Baptist church and Watermark. Yeah. It couldn't be. For, yeah. But what's it like? What's growing up in a Lutheran church look like kind of in that comparison paradigm? I have no idea. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> there's like a physical and then a spiritual sense. Yeah. Physical, it's like, okay, there's wooden pews <laughs> and there's hymn books and um, like liturgies and things that are very like ingrained into that, like, um, just part of, I guess, life and religion in that, you know, sense. But it was on the, on the spiritual side of it. Like, I remember, like, I could probably articulate the gospel back then, Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it definitely wasn't something that was like actively impacting my life. And, and I think there's been times down here that I've certainly like thought like, man, did I just like miss it? Did I like not understand it? And I think it just, in that season, God didn't have me. Like it, my heart wasn't fully his in that season. And um, he's had me the whole way. Like that's never been in question, but it's just more of like, I, I don't know that I uh, ever sensed my like true need and dependence on him in that season. And I don't think that's anything as like indicative on the Lutheran church or anything like that. It was just it was just the life season of life that I was in and that's yeah. totally okay. And, and I've definitely had to like process through that though. Cause even in, in school, like I remember multiple people inviting me to uh, like uh, the porch is watermarks kind of young adult ministry. And there was a ministry at um, our school that people would invite me to. And I just wasn't interested at the time. And I think it wasn't really too truly until I came down to Dallas and what I've just told folks is like, man, Dallas was this much bigger playground. It was much bigger, um, just things for me to get, uh, drawn to from both an identity and just, um, just mess <laughs> in yeah. a lot of ways. And I, I don't think it was truly until then that like my heart was like in a position for a guy to be like, Hey, like, Hey, big boy, you're, you're going to need something outside of yourself. Um, not only just, uh, here in the present, but like spiritually for eternity. And it was, um, just the season in which he had me and really grateful, like, I remember the first time I walked into it, like someone at that SMU job actually invited me to church down here. And I was like, well, I've been to church before. Like, sure. Bold let's get move. this. Yeah, no, it was awesome. <laughs> uh, and I was like, sure, I'll come. And he said, you know, we're going to have barbecue at the end, which I'm like, all right, this is means for barbecue. Let's go check this thing out. <laughs> and no joke. I remember um, walking in for the first time. There were like fog machines and lights and like, there weren't pews. There were like actual like theater seats and there was a stage and like, I just remember feeling like, I mean, it was, it was like yesterday. I remember like, it felt like I was walking into a concert and he was like, Hey, we're going to get like the best seats, like front row and all this stuff. And I just remember like looking around and the lights went out and lights are on, on the stage and people were, you know, raising their hands and all this stuff. I couldn't even remember what they talked about, but I just remember walking into this like much different experience. And in a way, I think my takeaway from that though, is like, Hey, I don't know what's going on first. Right. (laughs) But the second was like, Hey, there's something that seems to be way more like genuine and authentic about the way these people are worshiping. And again, couldn't tell you what the like message was that day or anything, but I think that opened the door to, um, have someone that invited me to watermark to that young adult ministry that ultimately was the means that I think God used to kind of like say, Hey, um, the things that you're chasing may not be the things that are worth chasing. Yeah. I mean, that's almost direct parallel down my story, man. I didn't, 
same, right? Like yeah. when you're telling that, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, yeah. That sounds very, very, very familiar. Except I persisted to, have I told you this before? I persisted on wearing my suit to church, <laughs> yes. even though everybody was wearing like board shorts Come and flip flops. Because I was like, man, these people don't understand. Yeah. Cover your toes for Jesus, would you? <laughs> yeah. Like, put, get yourselves together. <laughs> he wore sandals. I'm wearing sandals. <laughs> so, but then I finally gave that up. I was just. You, now you just wear a baseball cap. It's yeah. all good. It's yeah. totally fine. And it just takes a change, right? Like, I don't know. There's something about rituals that I, I definitely had to get past because I was like, wait a second. Like, I remember feeling off, like it being authentic, but then I was like, wait, is this authentic? Like, are, are these people here for the right reasons? And are, there's just, I don't know. It, it, that's an interesting topic to even dive into on that yeah. front. So this pinpoint me in time, this is, we're, we're talking to... to 12, 2012? Yeah, 14, so something like that. moved down here in 2012. Um, really, I think I got, I think I started going to the porch probably in like 2013, 2014. Um, I remember there was a series at the porch. So the porch, uh, for those folks who don't know, Young Adult Ministry, Watermark, Community Church, Tuesday nights, 7 to 9, 3,000 plus people. So like more oh. than I could even imagine. And, and the, and the, the teaching there is just like, straight down the fairway for that stage of life. Yeah. Like so good. Yeah. And I think that's what really um, was the biggest kind of change was, I mean, I remember going to, you know, church on Sundays when I was younger and it was, Hey, where are we at? And kind of the, the season of the Lutheran calendar and uh, what does that look like? And the messages. And, and again, like it was scripture. So like <laughs> you have to take that for what it was. And again, my heart just in that season wasn't, um, wasn't ready for it. But what the porch I think really did was what you exactly said. It was like, Hey, like we're going to take an age demographic in a city demographic, um, in a life stage demographic to really like be laser focused on how the gospel should inform that season. Mm -hmm. And the series, so they do series just like any kind of other message, um, you know, on a Sunday in the series that I was in, I, I, I'd have to go back and look. I think it was the fall of 2013. Uh, it was over Ecclesiastes and a book that I'm like, Old Testament, what does that mean? Probably wouldn't, couldn't even tell you two or three books in the Old Testament. And I just remember it um, pro- like hitting my heart in a different way where they were talking about King Solomon and all the things that like he was chasing after and all the things that like, that were just meaningless. And the the I think the series was called Vanity. And vanity is just a word that is used a ton in that book. And I remember I'd been down here for a year, you know, just kind of getting my feet wet in my career and bigger playground for sure. And Dallas, you know, can for sure, you know, be lucrative in all those different areas of life. And uh, this series was just like hitting me in a way where I was like, wait, this, you're telling me that this actual person in history is saying these things, got all these things desired all these things, achieved all these things. And yet he's saying that it was meaningless. And and that book is like historically seen as like kind of a, just a Debbie Downer book and very like just sorrowful. (laughs) None none of it matters. Right. And it's like, and, and of course you can go back and read it and, you know, feel that way too. But man, that season, um, I just remember thinking like, Hey, that's me. Like, that's me wanting to climb the tower fast enough or climb the ladder fast enough do all these fun things fast enough. Like, and it just hit me in a way of like, okay, wait a second. I've kind of put this book off as just kind of this historical, you know, not really um, contextually relevant to culture now. And I'm like, Hey, this is, this is relevant. Like this is actually happening in my life. And 
just remember, I think that being kind of the foot in the door that opened up like more of scripture to be like, okay, if I can believe this to be true about this story, what do I, what do I actually think and believe to be true about Jesus and like who he is and what that means? And I just remember thinking like, that was something that really changed the tide in my walk and just faith of just like, Hey, wait a second. If I, if I believe parts of this be true, the whole thing has to be true. And that was just something that hit me in a way that um, led to me, like certainly starting to realize my need for a savior and how that was starting to impact my work life, my personal life with relationships and starting to see like, Oh, wait a second. This is a, you know, a thing that's really um, starting to impact more areas of my life as I give more over to him. And it's scary. It's new. It's like, what am I supposed to do with this? But I think that infused with the community of people around you to say like, Hey, like I know what that feels like. And I know what it means to like give up those things that you did on the weekend and maybe, you know, uh, approach relationships a completely different way. And I just remember like, wait a second, this just can't be a part of your life. This is your life. And it was something that, you know, that season, he certainly grabbed my heart and said, Hey man, I'm not just your, uh, your helper in this life, like to like get through and just make it by, like, I want to be your savior and I want to, you know, you know, have you be with me for eternity. And that's going to, you know, have it look like you trusting me, not only just for now, but you know, for eternity. So one one of the things you said through all that, I'm going to come back to was, um, being like in a community of people, right? Yeah. Like I'm assuming, well, you tell me like through jumping in with a porch, you ended up in some small group with a bunch of bros, right? Yeah, it really wasn't, um, gosh, there's the community of people was, and it's just, again, like kind of on the family stuff, you look back and you're like, man, God, I was totally going ahead and putting people in my life in different ways. And <clears throat> I remember there were a handful of people, you know, the porch did a, a young adult retreat out in East Texas uh, at a place called Sky Ranch and I think Labor Day, um, you know, a 10th of those 3000 people, uh, going out there. And, um, it was through like volunteering at that event that introduced me to some people where they're like, man, this guy, like he really has some gifts and some excitement around just, you know, loving and serving Jesus. And Hey, we want to get him in more opportunities to meet and know more people. And it was really through that event over, you know, multiple years and seasons that I think eventually, um, I got to, you know, plug in and meet more people. And it was the funny story about that whole thing was, uh, it sells out no joke, like seconds. No, um, I remember. And I actually didn't get on the list to go, but I remember I was just so, gosh, just excited about the idea of like getting to know those people or just getting to serve alongside those people. And I uh, reached out to one of the uh, team leads of, you know, like events and games that weekend and said, hey, I'd love to help. I don't know what that looks like. Um, And he didn't actually know that I didn't have a ticket yet (laughs) and uh, that I was on the waiting list and all this stuff. And eventually had to come and tell him like, Hey man, all this planning that I've kind of been helping with, I, I may not actually be able to do it, uh, there. Cause I, I don't have a ticket. And he was just like shocked by that. And I was just like, well, no, I, like, I didn't want to just like sit on the sidelines and hope that it was a cool thing. Like, I wanted to be a part of it as much as I could. And full circle now, like that guy was the best man in my wedding, like lives two houses down from us and like just a really good spiritual friend um, that has just been there for so much part of life, who was a roommate for a season. He got married, has, you know, two kids, another one on the way, has 
helped us move into the neighborhood that we're in and walked alongside of us with family stuff. So like the community part of it didn't necessarily go broad and wide at first. It was very like narrow and specific with a few individuals that, yeah, I think they just taught me what it like meant to be a Christian. Cause I was just like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't, what do you mean? Like you shouldn't live with someone before you get married. Like, what do you mean you, uh, everybody else is doing. Yeah. Or just like things that like culturally are just like, well, I've never heard that. Like I'd grown up in church. Like that wasn't a, that wasn't a thing that people like questioned, you know? And he just, man, was such, and still is just like an incredible friend uh, to me. And so I, and through that, obviously he, you know, introduced me to a lot of people that um, have just gone really narrow and deep with that have been, you know, pillars of my faith and um, great friends along the way. And I struggled with in jumping into like those sort of relationships was like, just well, let me back up. If you know anything about a Southern Baptist church, you know you put your fanciest clothes on and you pretend like you got it all together for Sundays, right? Sunday, totally. Sunday, Sunday evening and prayer meeting, like that's it. And so this idea of like, well, no, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna engage relationally with some people and just be like, hey, man, I kind of suck at this. What do you think about that? Can you help me with this? Like, I'm yeah. sure, I'm, I'm not sure I'm doing this right. Can you, like, this sort of relative vulnerability and being held accountable for some of the things like that you're that you're wrestling through? I was like, nah, man, I'm good. I'm not, yeah. I'm did you wrestle with that coming from a Lutheran background or is that, did it work out in a way that just felt more normative? Yeah. I think, you know, and I'll just use names. Eric was the guy. He just lived it in a way that was easy to replicate. <laughs> like gotcha. he lived it in a way that I was like, Hey, that just, um, that makes a lot of sense. Like I see, um, I see the fruit that's coming from the way that you're choosing to approach things that it was very much a, Hey, come and see. And, uh, it kind of a mentality, but I think coming from the Lutheran side of it, like the hardest part really is more of just, I think like the family dynamic of, you know, when I first moved down here and going to a bigger church and you start to tell, you know, family and friends that, you know, what you're doing and what, I mean, you can't hide going on Tuesday nights and, you know, going on Sunday, just things like that. And so yeah. you start to have conversations around that. And then you start to get into the denomination conversations of like, well, what is that? And what does that mean? And like, Hey, how do you know that they're actually, you know, a good thing or just like, you know, saying the right thing? And just that to me has probably been the hardest part because at the end, at the end of the day, like, again, I wouldn't change anything from uh, growing up in the Lutheran church. I think it, it definitely allowed um, the opportunity for me to see things maybe from a quicker perspective when I like came down here to a non-denominational church. But the biggest challenge has really just been to like, Hey, here's what I understand the difference between a Lutheran background is, and here's what I'm understanding, like the differences between a non-denominational background and just having those conversations has been a little bit tricky, but if you don't have the conversations, then you're just like missing the opportunity. But yeah. in having them, it's like, oh, this is normal and hey, we, we can and should feel comfortable with, you know, talking about that stuff. I, the reflection I had while you were talking about yeah. the church small group, like my quote unquote church small group was the YCC. Yeah. Like, cause you just like become well yoked with other people. Like, cause I, I was saved after I moved to Texas. So all that stuff was new to me. Yeah. And you go in and see the fog machine and all that. You're like, what is, what is this? Like, this is a joke kind of thing. And yeah. then you get saved. You're like, oh, it's not. It's actually a really big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like Stuart. Fultz, Fisher, Daniel, Melanie, Josh, you, like you get all these people, some of which they're, they're behind you in age and experience. And then others out in front. So you get to watch how they're acting. And like, I want to be different. Like you, why are you different 
Yeah. It, for the right reasons. And well, let me tell you, you know, and then you have that Christian, what does uh, Fultz call it? The Jesus juke? You have that sort of conversation, <laughs> but it's because I, I asked, you know, I incited the conversation and that's pretty cool to have, you know, within our construction community, I, just like so many people like that, that are a positive influence, not from what they're saying, but through their actions. Yeah. I, I think the thing to pull from that, that's like crazy, crazy unique is like, that was something that, I mean, YCC, obviously not <clears throat> affiliated with any church place or plant, but the fact that, like, God had those people in that season for you, for the collective, like, construction community, like, that's crazy. Like, we've all seen crazy stuff in construction, right? Like, Stuart, you're a lawyer, right? So it's I've like, seen all the crazy stuff. But it's like, <laughs> in an industry that is so ripe for let's just say not right things Yeah, like to have that be found in that industry is like, man, that, that is definition of like light on a hill, like in a spot that, um, you get an opportunity to like engage and meet with those, not only like in your age group, but also like, man, in age groups that you need some perspective on down the road or mm -hmm. that you can help someone, you know, behind you. So that, that to me is what I think is like, to your point, like made this place feel like a home where it's like, Hey, I, I don't just feel cared for from like a business sense. I feel, I feel cared for from like a personal sense um, in so many different ways too. Yeah. Texo and the YCC is unique in that regard, but I want to, I want to kind of not put a pin on that part of our conversation, but uh, sort of a public service announcement here. Like this is not an advertisement <laughs> yeah. for Watermark or the Porsche. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, there are, there are, if you're in the Dallas area, there are tons of great spots to yep. land. And if you're not, there are tons of great spots to land. And so I would just encourage you like, don't think of this like if you're listening is like that's a cool story for Grant. Yeah, like that's a cool story for you too. You just have to find your space, right? So yeah. if you're if you're local and you're like, man, I don't know where to go, hit us up. I'll help. Like I'll help you find a spot. And if you're not local, I have I have some friends down in Houston. They're like, man, I've been to y'all's church. I think it's awesome. I can't find one like that in Houston. And so I engaged with some people on staff. I was like, who who are our like counterpart ch churches yeah. down there? And, and and being able to like connect them with places that feel like that. And so. Hit us up, man, if you're looking for a space. Yeah. Don't feel like there's a PSA for Watermark. And to that, too, like, not a PSA about the porch either, but, you know, the porch has, like, porch live location. So, like, right when I first started to join, they uh -huh. were like, hey, like, how do we get this in more uh, churches for this demographic? Because it's so hard to start a young adult ministry. Like, are you kidding me? And to start it in a place like Dallas yeah. or cue any other place in the country. And so they've kind of like porch in a box. They call them porch live locations where oh. they stream out to churches that will host the porch. And um, what's crazy is like one of the first ones was no joke, like in my hometown. And I was like, <laughs> it was just so like assuring and like just reaffirming where I was like, wait a second, like, God, I see you on the move here. And like, I'm so silly to think that like you aren't on the move in like all these other areas of like creation. Yeah. And yeah, if, if you're a young adult listening, like the worst thing you can do is just to not ask those questions that you might have. And like, I was lucky to have a place and space that those questions could be asked, but man, the best thing you can do is ask someone about their faith or ask someone about the questions that you have, because those ultimately open the door that God uses. And it's crazy. I, we, yeah, there's a lot more in that too, of, um, but yeah. Is that where you met Natalie? <laughs> it's not where I met Natalie. Okay. No, I, I met my wife through some mutual friends, actually, but uh, through a group somewhat associated to Watermark. So 
there's a gal on staff there that um, was a college roommate with Natalie's roommate at the time out in East Texas. So Natalie and I dated in long distance for, oh gosh, probably a year to a year and a half uh, when she was out working out at working at Sky Ranch in East Texas. So she came to a 4th of July event or I guess get together, hang out kind of thing with a lot of folks that uh, were from our church. And she was like the last person on the list that was like, yeah, sure. I'll, you know, I'll come. And the rest is history. So. Oh, <laughs> well, yada, yada, yada. Now you're married. And you're good. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, well, there's a lot in between there that, uh, yeah, it just crazy. A lot, a lot of life in there that fun details of that. Um, yeah. If, if you know us and well, if you know me, like I'm an overanalyzer and we broke up and got back together the whole night and man, like, God definitely showed up in that season too. Of just, hey, what does it look like to come from a divorced family and choose that commitment to be married? And um, luckily, uh, my wife is incredible in the sense that was just extremely patient with me through that season. And um, obviously, on the back end, we're extremely grateful for where God led us to and where we're at now. But yeah, it was there was a, there was a hard season in there for sure. Uh, even with her moving to Dallas and then us not. Um, continuing from my uh, decision and then choosing to get back together and um, eventually getting engaged and married. And yeah. What's boy, I'm going to ask a hard question and you can tell me it's none of my business. And we'll, we'll move. <laughs> on. <laughs> That's okay. But like, what does parents being divorced at a super early age like that do to your perspective of the institution of marriage? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Totally not off limits. I mean, divorce is something that impacts so many people. Uh, whether a chosen uh, decision from a decision that someone's ch- choose to made, uh, choose chosen to make, or something that they didn't choose to make, like in my case where you know my parents got divorced, and so it it definitely affects it. And I, and I would hate to say like it affects everyone, maybe in different categories or similar categories. I think for me at a young age, um, it just opened up this idea of like. Hey, what what does trust like look like, or what does like what does commitment look like? You know, and and I think I am like so beyond, without a doubt, like beyond thankful. My experience would have been completely different if my parents didn't live in the same you know town. Yeah, and I mean, we did like Monday, Tuesdays with Dad, Wednesday, Thursdays with Mom, every other Friday, uh, or whoever got the weekend got the Friday, and like that was the case for a good like six years. And I had a sibling too, a uh, sister who's two years older than me that we went through it together too, and. I, I certainly didn't know how much it impacted me until I was in the dating like season and even through like really college and I like didn't really date in high school, dated pretty seriously in college. But even in that season, like it was definitely bubbling up and then I kind of just like suppressed it and I don't know, that's not a big deal. And it honestly, it wasn't until, um, gosh, I just remember like having the courage to ask my parents like, Hey, what happened? Mm. Like, hey, what uh, what was it from your perspective? Hey, what was it from your perspective? And that was in a season where Natalie and I weren't together. And I think it took me getting some just understanding and clarity from that and how that was um, not just a projected outcome on me that I could kind of internalize and understand uh, for what it was. And going back to like my relationship with my dad, like, man, that only just skyrocketed our like authenticity and just vulnerability and openness with each other. And couldn't be, couldn't have been more grateful for that. Like, uh, but 
it, it was just something that I didn't really process. I didn't really think, I didn't think I needed to process. I thought it was, just, it was a life event. And here's, and of course you hear growing up like, Hey, those, those life events impact everyone differently in different seasons. And at the end of the day, I just didn't, I didn't really give it the attention in this. I mean, there were people that unfortunately were being hurt by how much it was affecting me. And I had no idea. Mm. And I think it, it really took me having to like take a step back and say, Hey, like, what was that? And I had to do that, you know, not being in a relationship. And that was really hard uh, to do. And especially to like tell that to someone that you'd been dating who had, you know, moved to a different town and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, but man, praise God, she said yes to, you know, come back. And after I got to process through a lot of that stuff and, um, have, you know, been so grateful. Like, yeah, I mean, I can dive into that. That, that whole season was just really, really, ch- and to, to have that in a season where now your faith is like a huge part of your life, right. Or is your life. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was just really, is really unique to have to unpack. Um, but so grateful that I, and I, like I should say still unpacking, right. There's, you don't just kind of take out the box and put it all out there and not, you know, go through it over time too. And, and it still affects, you know, parts of our relationships with our, you know, families and whatnot. But yeah, I've, again, this is kind of to the point of, um, being a little older and reflecting mm-hmm. on everything changes the way you look about it. One of those comments I made earlier, but mm-hmm. definitely as a older dude with some kids now have these thoughts about how I, I always really just thought like I was who I was and I, I lived in that house with my parents, but I was who I was and didn't appreciate the influence that the environment, like my parents, where we lived, my friend, yep. all that, it may, had, what that influence had on who I have become, good and bad, mm-hmm. right? Good and bad. And, and so it's thinking about it for uh, rear facing is interesting, but then thinking about how now that you have other humans in your home, yep. that you are now in the position where you are creating, shaping those uh, those experiences moving forward for those people. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, I think of that very often about how, like I'm modeling what it looks like to be a husband for my boys. I'm modeling what it looks like to be a husband for my daughter. I am modeling what, you know, and shaping those experiences so that when they get out into the world and they look back, what are they going to say? Yeah. I mean, we had this conversation at the office this week about, um, what are your kids going to remember when you're gone, when they're gone from your house, what are they going to remember? Mm. And, and how you can, with, with the, the forethought to have that, question ask that question now you can influence the the outcome you can influence what they actually say and so anyway just a mental meandering of my own this week around kind of that issue of like your past affects the current yeah and you know my wife had a very different um, experience growing up i mean she was one of three in a house of 25 plus years married southern baptist like super strong family Mm -hmm. um and so that for her was like really different to go through. Um, and I, I mean, we talked about it for the first time we met and how that, but it's, it's different when you go through it, right? Like yeah. that's, that's what makes it really challenging. But to your point, like never, <laughs> never falling in the camp that um, it's not important to at least like be intentional and thoughtful of like, Hey, what we do matters and how we choose to like lead our family matters. Mm-hmm. And um, and, and again, to like your point, like to, Hey, surround yourself with others that you see doing that really well. Like that doesn't just happen. Like you don't just fall out of the sky being a good dad. You don't <laughs> fall out of the sky being like a really good, you know, colleague to someone. It's like you, 
you do that by watching and seeing and like interacting with other people. And so the to do's and the not to do's. Yeah. Right, yeah. Way, equally, equally yeah. important. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, you got some, I have another, I have another place to go. You got some, well, I was going to say before we spin out a family, okay. kiddo. Yeah. I, I don't know. So tell me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, August plus or minus one year old. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. That's right. We know it's under one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh so last August we had our first. Uh his name is Henry. Henry. Uh he is just a little stud man. We uh we didn't find out the gender, which uh was just an interesting experience. Uh Natalie was, I would say, a little bit bigger proponent of that, which I, I didn't have a super strong opinion. Uh but I bring that up because we told a we, I was probably more to- uh sold on it being a girl. We thought it was like totally gonna be a girl. We had tons of friends that had girls first and was just kind of always in that camp and, uh, out pops Henry and his boy. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And we didn't have a name for like two or three days. And the social security lady comes into your you know room like, Oh, what's his name? And, like, we don't know. <laughs> They're like, could you, you not know? Could you make a lap around the maternity ward to get back with you? Yeah, right. Yeah. You want to see the, the picture of one of the cutest kids I've ever seen? Oh yeah. my gosh. You ready for this? Is that him? Yes. Oh, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's, yes. Yeah. It was a cute kid, man. Yeah, I just showed a picture of uh, him when we brought him back up to Iowa and the bitter, cold uh, snowstorm that it was. And he has a little cute hat on. And he's just, I, I read somewhere and I, I, I hope, well, I'm experiencing this to be true, that your first son uh, is more like your wife and your first daughter uh, is more like your husband or the, the husband. I don't know if that's true. People can probably fact check me and reach out to y'all if that is true or not. But we have certainly seen that to be true. Like he is so chill, very much like his mom. Um, I feel like it's hard talking about baby experience because everyone has a different one. And, uh, but man, he's just been such a sweet gift and, um, yeah, he's just been really fun and talk about learning from a, you know, fire hose. It's like, it's couldn't be more true to, you know, have a spouse that really, you know, you want to do and tackle life with and, you know, I remember a big thing uh, just wrestling through that, like, hey, do I want to get married? Do I not want to get married to Natalie? And just those seasons of life, I was like, if I can be assured of one thing, like she is going to be an incredible mom. And I remember just constantly hanging my hat on that at the end of the day or just like processing things. And man, that is like wholeheartedly been true. And it's just so fun to see her being a mom and doing life with her and dirty diapers and all bottles and bottles and bottles of, you know, just all that stuff. And, um, it's been fun. He's been a really fun joy for us. I think probably, well, air date, this will be quick flip air date. So not yet, but soon to be stay at home mom, like just full time all day mom. Yep. That's a hard job, buddy. And that's a man, that's another whole part of life of just what that, what that season for women is like. Um, and just having kids and, going through life and career thoughts and man, couldn't, couldn't be more proud of the way that she's processed it, thought through it, um, sought counsel, sought a lot of just wisdom and feedback, and then just taking that before the Lord and saying, Hey, like, what would you have me do? And so, yeah, we're really excited about that season. What's, what's one thing you guys do as a married couple that you think is like your, your marriage hack? (sighs) No marriage hacks. (laughs) If, if, if you have them, I'll gladly take them. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know that we have, <laughs> it's been funny that this has like become our thing. Um, and it was before we had Henry and has certainly become it now. And I don't know how many times it takes for something to be a tradition. Right. But, um, 
Saturday mornings, we go to Central Market for breakfast. If you haven't been to Central Market for breakfast, you're missing out. I wouldn't say it's a hack, but it's pretty cool. Um, you just go and they have actually pretty good coffee and you get breakfast tacos and, you know, muffins and all that kind of stuff. But we go there on Saturday mornings and man, it's just a really healthy place for us to bring stuff up, talk about things like, Hey, how was the week? What's next week look like? And, um, you know, we were afraid that having a little one brought into that picture would like change that dynamic. And we brought them along a handful of times now and, it's just been fun. It's a, it's been a safe place for, I think us out of the house that doesn't feel like it's, you know, something that you can just bring up anything. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we don't even talk about anything like super deep or serious, but, um, that for sure has been one of just knowing that that's, you know, you can table stuff for then. Right. So if you're like into knee deep on something throughout the week, that's just causing you to be frustrated. It's like, Hey, I can, wait till Saturday and we can bring it up and talk about it then. And and we don't hit every Saturday, but it is fun thinking back on like, man, where, where were the best conversations had or some of the things that we like worked through the most. And, you know, that's probably been one of them. And, and then second, just like, I mean, we've already talked about like the community of people, but man, if you do marriage, if you do marriage alone, it is just hard being married. is hard. Right. And I think, the hard part of it is when you're doing it by yourself and you just don't have people speaking into it or encouraging you along the way. And, um, you know, the deceitfulness of sin will creep in, uh, especially to something that is like designed by God and an opportunity for the enemy to, you know, attack. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, how do you counter that deceitfulness of sin? And it's like, well, encouragement and you need people and, um, people are the means in which you are encouraged through and, Man, having it doesn't have to be a formal group of community. It doesn't have to be, you know, something that is, you know, routine. Which two of those things I think are very important. But man, if you don't, if you don't have someone that you're talking about how you're doing with your spouse, I just think it's it's that's a path that could get rockier and rockier yeah. down the road. Um, I was going to spin us out to as I recall one of our f- the well, I don't know if it was first. Very early on, you and I had lunch, and I think I brought William along. Yeah. Remember this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's because you had either gone to or were going to Israel. I yeah. forget exactly what it was. I think we, uh, I think I had just gotten back from Ethiopia because you guys were going to go on a trip to Ethiopia as well. R- I, Rwanda. We went to Rwanda. Rwanda. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I remember maybe, maybe it was Israel. It was though. related to Israel because William, this was like his fourth or fifth grade project that's he was right, doing that's right. on Israel. Yeah. And I was like, you need to talk to Grant. Dude, that was so fun. You would just come back because that's what that was the imp- yeah. uh, the impetus of meeting was like, tell him all about it. Yeah. Yeah, but you've had the opportunity to go to lots of cool places. Yeah. Oh, man. I And not always just for fun. Like these are like yeah. what I would deem probably short-term mission trip stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I, that was on script. <laughs> One of the things you sent last night, I was like, man, yeah, I've been so grateful to just see different parts of the world that I think as I think about like, hey, what has been the best part about going and seeing these different places, like by far the best spot is just like, man, growing growing your idea and expansion that God is like huge. Like yeah. we are so small and he is so big. And I think like, of course, I could dive into all the places that has been so fun to see that, but like the thing that's connected all these trips in really fun ways is like seeing God's hand in these different places. So I had a really fun chance to go to uh, Seoul, South Korea a couple times for work. Um, 
drone related and, and some other things related to. And I just remember being there and I'm like, man, I'm literally 12 hours in a plane. Couldn't be more across the other side of the world. And just seeing people worship there and the authenticity of it and at a church that we happened to, you know, design and we were doing a video to kind of show people what that design looked like. It was just an incredible experience and the people there and how hospitable they were and to go a couple times was just like mind mind boggling to think. And then on the like personal side of it and going to, you know, Haiti and El Salvador and uh, Ethiopia, like obviously those are more like mission type trips where I hate even using the word mission because they're just short term discipleship, right? You're, yeah, that's you're right. going there and discipling people as if you were, you know, here in, in your neighborhood. But yeah, those trips definitely opened my eyes to this, the reality of like, man, we are so like, <laughs> we are so privileged here in ways that we have such an insignificantly like small view of. I remember coming back from Haiti the first time of like, I've never been thankful for carpet in my life. And you just like kind of think of like, well, why am I thankful for carpet? And it's just like opening up your mind to like, man, these are things that we just inherently take for granted, right? And then to go to Israel is just like, yeah, just mind boggling. I mean, to see this book that we read and dedicate and like have inform and influence so much of our life, like in color is just like, an unbelievable experience. I mean, I have been fortunate to go a couple times, one, uh, like pretty similar trips, but one in 2017 and then one in 2020, which no joke was like February, 2020 before COVID. Oh, wow. And eat that in. It was, um, and to go, uh, in 2020 with my wife was just so fun. I mean, she had gone before we got married and, um, man, I, anyone that has any interest, like desire, thought, even, don't even like I mean we talked about it it's just incredible like yeah. there's there's no, like I have dates written in like my bible of like places that you go visit and I think it's so many times we like get caught up and we're reading and we're like man like this just doesn't seem real like this just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like applicable mm-hmm. and it's like wait no I like look at that date and I'm like no like I can go on a map and like see that and to like come back and share that with people was just like you know, such a fun experience. So I, I never would have thought, you know, when I moved down here, other than knowing that, you know, DFW is like an international airport, that I would have had as many chances to go see different parts of, you know, the world. And and would definitely say, like, before I became a believer, that was definitely like an idol for me of like, man, I want to do it all now. Like, I want to soak it up now. I want to go to these places now and like would very much spend in ways that wasn't probably the best and go and like invest time in those things. that wasn't the best uh, to go travel anytime I got the opportunity to and like becoming a believer now. It's like, well, wait, I, I can see all those things on that side of eternity. And like, I don't, I don't have to, you know, see everything now. Like I'm going to see everything in eternity. And I think that that's the thing I've struggled with in, you know, feeling really fortunate to have gone to those places is like, when you tell people those stories are like, Oh man, I want do that. Like, I want to, I want to go see those things. I want to go, you know, be those places or I want to go to Israel. Let's like, that is an example. And I'll tell you, like, I think the thing that's encouraged me and others the most coming back is like, hey, the reality is like, we don't need to see those places. Like, yes, it is unbelievably like encouraging to our own faith and like just galvanizing to the things we believe in. But like, we don't have to see them. Like 
like scripture says, like our faith in those things is as like strong as actually physically seeing them. And so to that point of it too, it's just hard because yeah, I feel really fortunate to have gone to a lot of those places, but hopefully have a healthy perspective of like, hey, I'd love to go to them again, right? Like I'd love to go take more people and like see their eyes and see their like, you know, connections that they get to make in ways that I got to when I was there. Um, but in the same ways, like we don't have to see to believe and that's okay. Um, but it is fun to celebrate and look back and, and see a lot of that stuff. Yeah. The, go ahead. Mm-mm. The, um, let's, let's work talk for a second. Cause yeah. I want to get us to like what, what your new jam is. And yeah. I'll let you tell as much of the story that got you to a new job as you want. Or, yeah. Or want to, yeah, but totally. t- tell us, tell us a little work story arc angling towards what's up now. Yeah, totally. So while I was at, uh, that construction company, just had a really ton of opportunities. Like we kind of talked about just to, um, try new things, implement new things as it relates to just being more efficient and safer and, uh, all things hardware, software related. Right. And I think just over, uh, my career there being there for 10 years, like really had a realization of like, Hey, this is like a really great utilization of like the strengths that God's given me. Um, in ways that I love, like connecting with people and like presenting or like explaining or educating, like, and like taking strength finders and being like, Hey, like, this is what I love to do. Like, these are, these are God given things that like clearly he has given me a passion and a fire like to go and do. And man, so thankful, uh, in the ways that I got to do that in that season. Um, and it was clear, like there were really, um, good opportunities to help more people, And as I kind of started to see that, I think that's where some of the opportunities kind of turned of like, hey, uh, I'm so thankful for this season that I've been in here, Uh, but I I see more opportunities to help more people. And that's really where kind of the curtain got drawn back a little or got drawn back a little bit more to say, hey, like, what would that look like? And, And I thought I would be there for life. You know, I mean, you move halfway across the country and you, um, you intern there when you're still in school. Like there's, there's just a lot of life that was done in that season and a lot of life change, right. In that season. And so it took me a while to like process through that, um, that reality Mm -hmm. uh, of what that could look like. And I think once I processed through that, um, ultimately just, um, having some conversations of, Hey, what could that look like? And, And what, what could that be? And so, yeah, really excited. Um, I've transitioned more into, I would say something more specific in technology and construction. Um, that was just, you know, much more suited for where I think my strengths are and how I can help and serve other people. Where purpose meets opportunity, man. <laughs> yeah. And then you just ignite the fire. Yeah. So what is it specifically? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I feel like I'm kind of... No, <laughs> let's plug it, man. No, yeah. This Name, is, purpose, yeah, yeah. scope, hit it. Totally. So uh, the company I'm working for is a company called Drone Deploy. Uh, so Drone Deploy really uh, incredible people. They uh, develop software uh, to be able to use consumer uh, drones that you could go buy at Best Buy, Amazon uh, for commercial purposes. So they're not a hardware company. Um, We develop software to be able to use those in a commercial sense. So what that means is uh, being able to take those off the shelf uh, drones or aerial cameras, whatever you want to call them, and to be able to like put them to work. Uh, in ways that you would put together or put to work a forklift or put together, you know, put to work of any other piece of equipment on your job. And so the excitement around that was just really uh, awesome opportunity to take what I had gotten to do and kind of like building and scaling a a drone program uh, at that company and um, 
in helping more people like see the value that was behind it. And so, you know, as I was like thinking like, what does that look like? The software world's so different from what I was doing in construction, um, really started to kind of outline of like, Hey, like what roles are in soft? Like what is, what titles? I don't even know. I don't yeah. even know this thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, just starting to do some kind of research of like, Hey, titles aren't like crazy important, but they definitely can bring clarity, which was helpful. And I think we, where we landed on was, you know, I'm, I think title wise, like strategic product consultant of, um, drone deploy to allow, uh, in their specific AEC vertical. So they serve a whole host of different like market sectors, like agriculture and mining and aggregates yeah. and things like that. And construction obviously being one of them too. And so they, uh, had a really big need to be able to take someone from the industry to help both their internal team and then also their customers that they uh, interacted with on the AEC side of life or architecture, engineering, and construction. So yeah, just really different change. Uh, you know, it's, it's a remote job. So being at home, being able to see, you know, Henry on a day-to-day basis and, uh, you know, having a wife at home too, to be able to see and interact with too. Like, I think it was a really unique opportunity, um, in this season of life that just made a lot of sense. And, definitely involved a lot of risk from a, Hey, it's just different. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that I maybe have grown like comfortable with over a long period of time, but uh, ultimately knew and just sought a lot of wisdom from a lot of people um, that have gone through a transition and have gone through uh, just what that looks like. And um, ultimately, yeah, been really excited so far and the journey has just begun and we're really excited about what it could turn into. I mean, I was, this is a shameless plug for Grant Hagen. (laughs) but if you have stuff like that on your project and you have call grant, like this, like seriously, man, you have been at the forefront of this since the jump. Every time I've ever had any question about any of it, you're like, yeah, let's grab lunch and talk about it so much. So I think my mind is failing me a bit, but didn't you like hop on a panel with me? Yeah. We did like a whole presentation for, I forget who, what uh, AGC maybe yeah. uh, on drones and just like, you're the man, dude, you're the expert. <laughs> so if somebody has questions like catch up with grant for sure, yeah. that's a, unsolicited and shameless plug for a homie who I know is like just a good dude. Yeah, that's really kind. It's just, I think we were talking about this before. It's just a unique technology because, you know, when you think of construction, you think like, hey, time, cost, safety, efficiency, like three or four things that like you always consider as you bring in a new idea or a new concept. And I think what made this technology and really idea just like explode in our space is that Traditionally, you maybe get two or three of those, like something may be uh, cost effective, but may take a lot of time or may not be the most safe. Right. But when you can like have all four or five of those things, it like totally, I mean, I hate to use the word game changer, but it like, it does change the game of how things are done. And that just like was so exciting to see and so uh, fun to be a part of really early on. I think when you're kind of a a pioneer, you're, you know, whacking trees down to, you know, make way for what this could be. And you, you know, hit brush a lot of the way and, yeah. you know, get, um, you know, tired and exhausted of like, man, is this, is this a thing? Is this not a thing? But when you start to hear, you know, the stories and the things that people are like, man, this, this, we remove someone from having to be in a dangerous like position. And it's like, oh, well that, that's just worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's things you look back and you're just like, hey, that just makes sense. And it's been a really fun, um, just thing to be a part of. And I, I hope, you know, I, I did a couple of webinars on like the topic of like, Oh, is it a toy or a tool? Mm-hmm. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, see them as toys cause you can, 
get them on Amazon and give them out as Christmas gifts and things like that. And, and yes, like they are perceived as toys. Like that's, that's not, a, I remember like kind of closing the webinar with like, that's not the problem. The problem is that if folks don't see them as tools, like right. they are act, actual tools that, you know, a lot of companies are using to mitigate risk and to, you know, be better collaborators of what, you know, is going on on the job site. So yeah, it's been really fun. And honestly, <laughs> I use this pun way too much, but it, it, I mean, the sky truly is the limit. Like there, there is so like while the tip of the iceberg, the last, what, probably seven, eight years has been really fun and exploratory. It is like, it is mind boggling to think what the next eight years are going to look like. And that part of it just gets me like so excited um, in ways that it, it kind of like brings that renewed energy like it was at the beginning of like, man, this is crazy. Like, can you believe that we're doing this and mm -hmm. using this? And um, my, my hope is just to like never lose that like youthfulness, excitement around it because yeah, at times it can just feel like, oh, this is cool. And yep, I'm like, and it's fun, like meeting up with you and your son or meeting up with people that are like genuinely curious about it. Like their, their excitement re-excites you. And I think excitement is just contagious. And um, even if it's over things that I've like helped on a thousand times, like it still never gets boring because it's like, it's just such a applicable thing for our industry. And again, if, you take anything away, it's like, man, at the end of the day, if it's saving lives and preventing people from being in positions that aren't safe, win. Yeah. I know I've, with innovators, I've tried to stop saying, and I want to know if this frustrates you. Yeah, yeah. I've stopped saying, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because innovators usually, usually like, yeah, cool, but it's also useful. Yeah. Uh, like VDC, for example, yeah. like spinning all these 3D models and the parts that come together. And I, I used to catch myself saying, yeah, that's really cool. And they're like, I don't think you're seeing it. You know, did you ever have that? Yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. Is like dismissive of the value that Which, it brings. Totally unintentional. Yeah. yeah. Like it I just, it's saying. cool. Like, yeah. I think in that it's more the tone, right? Like if, if you say it in a tone, like, oh, that's cool. Like, or like, oh, <laughs> cool story, bro. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It definitely right. doesn't bother me. I the the toy thing bothered me for a while because it was like, oh, you just play with toys on a job site, and it's That's like you're cool. Okay, like yeah. I I understand how you got there, but maybe um, if you're interested in having a conversation, I'd love to tell you why I don't see it as a toy. Yeah. Um, but I, I think a lot of that is just <laughs> how you like what state you're in and receiving yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah. Right? It was like oh. I've had five people tell me that. So like now I'm, you know, all in on that being like super frustrating. But. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I wrap up MO here. Well, let me pause. Do we miss anything? Dude, when I, we go off script, yeah, I yeah. feel like we left something on the table. Tell me if we missed something. Man, I, uh, the 854 text I'm seeing here. <laughs> I think you. Uh, Smash that. It's almost like we've recorded a podcast before. Man. Boom. <laughs> well, I think I know where you're going on the end uh, here, but. If you don't ask it, then I'll then I'll hit it. What's that? Just a, one big thing. Oh yeah, we're gonna hit that. But you, are you, you a reader? You got a book for me? Man, I'm not a very good reader. Uh, I, when I saw that, I was like, oh dang it, I gotta make up some book that. Uh, <laughs> good books, good, Google. Yeah, <laughs> I'm more of a podcaster. Obviously, Ooh. like I mean, being here and let's take a left hand turn. Yeah. Can we take a left hand turn? What are you listening to? Hit us with the podcast. Yeah, script completely. This, yeah. right, sure. This All podcast, uh, it was actually, Natalie introduced me to it. She had, which I don't know why she started listening to it, but we've listened to it on car rides going down to Houston or just, you know, long drives that we've had. And uh, it's called How I Built This. Oh, yeah. Uh, Guy Ross. Yeah. It, incredible. Uh, 
just, I think, appreciating the stories behind. So if you haven't heard of it, it's entrepreneurial podcasts of how uh, really not just small companies, I mean, huge companies, yeah. how they started. Uh, stories are just such an impactful medium in so many ways that it's just, um, I mean, guy is an incredible host. NPR is an incredible like producer of it. Like it is just time after time, like quality content. And so as someone who loves like the shark tank stuff mm -hmm. and just starting up things and, um, it's a helpful perspective to remember like, Hey, this stuff just doesn't happen overnight. And, and more than likely the stories that you hear are just like, yeah, encouraging. Cause you may be at different parts of that story and, yeah, it's it's really fun to think of. Yeah, worth the grind. Oh. Kind of like the tip of the iceberg. Deal, yeah, you got yeah. below that, dude. Yeah. All the hustle and grind. We talked to Javier Huerta about that a lot. Like you know, you just see successful painting company, but man, dude. there's a hustle and a grind to get to that point. Hundred percent. What's the guy who does the dirty jobs? What's that guy's name? You know, Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe. Mike yeah. Rowe Ro has a podcast. I yep. can't think of the name of it. If you listen, it's uh, it's like. That's not jobs. how I heard the story or yeah. something like that. Mike uh, actually was at, uh, there's a construction software called Procore. Uh, yeah. He spoke at their um, conference one year. I got to hear him in person. And dude, the guy like as genuine anytime you see him or hear him or, uh, but he, uh, he talked about his podcast. I haven't listened to it, but I mean, talk about podcast voice. I mean, he's. Oh, for sure. I mean, he it's does so many voiceovers for. It's called The Way I Heard It. Yes. Yep. And the reason I'm reverse pitching that to you and our listeners is because it's it, it has a similar feel to How I Built This with Guy Ross. Nice. Except he tell, he'll tell these like sort of like intermediate form stories. Okay. You're like just sucked into them and you get to the end and then there's like a one punch, two punch. And mm. you're like, oh, that's a story about Henry Ford. And that's the way I heard it. And it's over and you're like, oh. <gasps> What? And so it has like yeah, a really awesome. cool storytelling vibe to it with always like a really sweet, like twisted ending. And then he's out. Like I yeah. love the way he's just like, boom, and it's over. Yeah. Uh, so you might enjoy that one. Dude, that's awesome. I, Mike Rowe is, you want to talk about just humble guy, humble beginnings. I mean, his one, his story is just incredible, but super encouraging. Yeah. So he, I'll have to take a look at that. He's doing a ton for the industry in a sense of like trying to generate buzz around our workforce development mm -hmm. issues too. He's, I mean, I've seen him on this old house, like just. Yeah. Sort of like interfacing with the tradesman, but really he's there to like pitch, like you can do this too. Yeah. So, so he's kudos to him. Um, all right. One big thing, man. Let's wrap it. How, how are you going to do this for us? And as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, even just as we were talking, I don't know that I have like one big thing, but more like certain things for certain like listeners, maybe on the like young adult front. So I'm 32 ish, like that, that age demographic on the faith side of it, like, man, if, if you, aren't, if you have questions about faith, if you have just doubts or things that like are either rocking you in this season of life or have rocked you in different seasons, like just finding and engaging with someone about those questions. I mean, me, I'll solicit myself, but like that age is just hard and there's a lot of hard life, um, that gets covered up by a lot of the, um, things of life that aren't, um, the most sustainable. And so that's my one big thing for that is like, Hey, if you're in this age group and you don't have a faith or wouldn't say that that's something that's influential in your life would highly encourage you to engage with someone who you have seen, uh, embody some of those things and characteristics that you're interested in wanting to know more of. Um, and then maybe the more like global big thing is just like, man, relationships matter. And, um, I know we've kind of hit on that in a lot of ways through different topics and conversations here, but, 
Um, you know, it's funny. I've, I've been thinking about, um, I've heard a lot of people say like first impressions matter, uh, which totally do, right? Like you, we've all probably heard it in a lot of different ways through starting new things or meeting someone for the first time. But I, it was funny. My wife and I were talking about this the other day of like, Hey, what, what about the back end? Like, what about like last impressions? And it kind of got me thinking, I was like, Hmm, this is good to be like good Ted talk topic. Like <laughs> what about, what about the last impression you make with someone and how important is that? And I just think, um, it may get lost in a little bit of the nuance of like, Hey, it's always first impression. That's the most important. Um, hopefully we're not making a lot of like last impressions with people. Right. I mean, maybe if you're moving on to something different or moving across the country, you're moving somewhere that you may not interact with someone as much, but I think what's just been on my mind recently is just the, the importance of a last impression that you make on someone and how that can be equally as impactful. Uh, if you're in a situation where you would leave a last impression. And I think that boils over to relationships, um, whether friends or family or, hey, remembering back to a last impression you made on someone. And maybe it's not the last impression, right? Maybe it's the, um, maybe it's the impression that leads to more down the road or more interactions yeah, and yeah. ways. But I don't know, that's just been something that's like really stuck with me these last few months. Um, it's just... Yeah. Well, what about that? You know, no, no one ever really talks about that as much. And, and maybe it's because we don't leave very many last impressions with people, but uh, we all do in different ways and seasons of life and um, just something to like think through and consider. Yeah. Finish strong and well. Yeah. Love it, man. Well, thank Grant, dude. Thanks for hanging out with us. Dude, it's so fun. This is like... It's surreal to be in here. I mean, I told you guys before we started, but like the things you all are doing, it's so fun. And the ways that you guys are using your gifts to serve others and love others well, like stories matter and the ways in which you guys are um, using your gifts to share those stories is in incredible and in incredibly uh, impactful for people, whether you hear it from them or not. And it's not all just about listen counts and how many people are tuning in. Like you guys know that. Um, but the way in which you're doing it is super fun and just feel really grateful to have been a part of it. 